0: Some people could say, Simone, just why don't you just stick to cooking? Baking is so, your pastries are so sweet and delicious. Why don't you just kind of stick to that? Um, What is your response to something like that?
1: My response is, why does this make you uncomfortable? Why does my speaking to my experience make you uncomfortable? Businesses have changed. Small businesses have changed. The idea of the customer is always right. And, you know, it's this way or that way or that is so gone. It's completely gone. And if I'm the one who's taking the chance and the risk on the business, then it has to be on my own terms. And nobody gets to dictate what that looks like.
0: So even in her job as executive pastry chef and owner of La Patisserie Choquette in Botanical Heights, Simone Four isn't always sweet. But it's for good reason. She believes in feeding the stomach and the soul. Even as an executive pastry chef and owner of La Petisserie Choquette in Botanical Heights, Simone Ford doesn't believe you always have to be saccharine. And that's for good reason. She thinks that you should be feeding the stomach and the soul. So if
1: I have decided that I am going to serve you a slice of cake with a history lesson, (laughs) you can choose to eat the cake or go elsewhere. And I'm perfectly fine with that because I'm friends with most of the bakery owners in the city and their support, uh, their, their success is important to me as well. For every person who doesn't get it, there will be two who do and appreciate that. And, you know, you have to wonder who the heck doesn't want to be educated. Mm-hmm. Like who, if you're that verbal where you're going to go, Oh, why don't you just shut up and bake? Well, guess what? This cake isn't for you anyway. I'm not baking for people like that. There's love in these ingredients and you don't
0: you don't get to have that. Her award winning pastries served up from one of the cutest storefronts in town aren't something you're going to want to miss out on. So just do yourself a favor and swallow your pride and preconceived notions, at least for the next 20 minutes or so, because Simone has a special way of using her food to communicate with others, even during a pandemic. And especially when it's a conversation long overdue.
1: Maybe this is the first time you have woken up. Doesn't mean that this is a new concept. It is ongoing and it will continue. And you can help or you can choose not to. But just know that if you choose not to, that is a choice that you have to sit with.
0: Today on Abby Eats St. Louis, we're chatting with Simone about her taste for storytelling. The storm she'd already weathered that's prepared her for COVID. How she defines this moment in history and what she's cooking up for Juneteenth. Plus, that's what I'm good at. Producer Dory is back as we talk food news and events. When we talked, it was around 830 in the morning. Simone's day was half over with. She's out in her car outside her shop for a quiet place to chat.
1: So I will go into service immediately after, like in a frantic uh, run for service, Um, just making sure that everything is set up, that the online store is actually turned on with product in it so that people can see it and start ordering and start answering emails, answering questions, greeting guests from behind a very thick glass window. Yeah.
0: How has that transition been for you? So I am,
1: I'm used to transitioning. I'm used to things being uh, like, you know, just upheaval and turning at a dime. So the transition for me was not nearly as difficult as most in the aspect of how to sell something. The biggest challenge for me has been in scheduling and trying to make sure that we're socially distancing and making sure that staff is that their health concerns are being met and that we are not putting anyone at risk because I definitely appreciate everyone coming back. And of course, we're all happy to see each other, but our health is the most important thing. So wearing masks in the kitchen has definitely been a huge change for us because the kitchen is hot and you work with your head down and your breathing is restricted. And so with that comes, you know, a little bit of foggy brain because you you find yourself paying so much attention to what's on your face mm-hmm. as opposed to what your hands are doing. And so one way to combat that is I keep telling myself, doctors wear this. All day, every
0: day, and so surely, <laughs> well, doing I can surgeries and things like that. Right, yes.
1: exactly. And so you feel silly complaining about the fact that you have to ice a cake with a mask on. <laughs> so,
0: that is such a good perspective. Um,
1: well, you know, it's it's the only way to look at it. Otherwise, you're just you know you get upset and bitter, and then you end up taking it off, and that's not helping anyone.
0: You said that you're used to transitions. What are some of the transitions and pivots you've had to make in the past to kind of get you? ready for this one we've all had to make recently
1: i think the biggest one would be hurricane katrina i mean that was you know you're going about your day and then you see a hurricane which i had seen for 35 years i you know was born and raised in new orleans and then suddenly you've got the national guard on your doorstep saying you have to get out like yes we said that you could ride it out but now that has changed and you need to just grab whatever you can right now get out And so that was a huge pivot um, because you, you just, you didn't see it coming. So starting over in a new place, starting over in a new job, not having anything but, you know, your ID to prove who you were, like medical records, everything just gone in a matter of days. And so once I'd gone through that, when I heard that the pandemic was going on, I had a very different sort of mental approach to it that I'm sure other people from southern states who went through katrina could understand but maybe the rest of the country couldn't which is that there was a sense of camaraderie with the pandemic that you didn't have during katrina because we were all spread out all over the country um some people you know left the country but when we got to wherever that safe place was when you got to wherever you were going almost Felt as though you had been gaslighted because it was like, mm. well, life is going on here.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's as if they have no idea of the hell that I just came from because children are like riding their bikes, birds are chirping, people are at the mall. I saw a carousel spinning in a mall and I stood there and cried. And I'm like, what, did I dream that? Mm-hmm. Like, I, did, like, did that really just happen? But with the pandemic, Everyone around the world was feeling the same thing, and so it allows you to kind of step back and go, okay, it's not just me. So I know that after that horrible thing happened and I was able to walk away from that and start fresh, that this horrible thing, as long as I've got my health and my family has their health, like I can walk away from it. I know that a new day means that there's an opportunity to get back to some sort of normal. And so there wasn't that freak out mode. I said, OK, I've been in a way asking for time off every time I just threw my son's baby clothes in a box and said, oh, I'll go through this later. Or every time I opened up a cabinet at home and thought, I really need to organize these things. I've had this plate since, you know, the 90s. Well, now you have an opportunity to do that. And so I just took that opportunity um, and did something with it that was just for myself, which I never do.
0: Yeah. What role has food and cooking played in your pandemic?
1: So cooking is a language for me. It allows me to cross borders. It allows me to communicate effectively with people that I come into contact every day with, but don't have maybe very much in common with. I can express myself. I can literally live out an entire lifetime through someone else's cuisine or even diving deeper into my regional cuisine. And, you know, being able to study history through food, it's a wonderful thing because people don't think of it that way. A lot of times we think of food as I'm hungry, and that's that. <laughs> like, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat something. I have this, this, I could put it together. But when you stop and think of why you're making this, where did this come from, it opens new doors. It's just, it's mind-boggling to me. And then you see similarities with other people or other cultures, other cuisines, and you can put those pieces to the puzzle together and go, oh, I get it now. This is why this person pronounces this this way or this is where this actually (laughs) came from. It's
0: great. And that's all because I also understand you're a bit of a history buff. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know everybody's afraid to say they're too much of a history buff in case there's something they're not sure about. But
1: <laughs> Well, and for me, it's not even that because I'm always like, if I'm wrong about something, then teach me, please. For me, it's more about the things that I'm interested in because I go, I'm a history buff. And people go, let's talk about the War of 1812. I'm like, you're yeah, not like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into like, you know, genealogy and I'm into like the history of the pound cake Mm -hmm. or, you know, like just the weirdest things that I find interesting. And they all show up in some way or form in whatever we're making at the shop.
0: It sounds like you like telling stories, too. And hearing stories and learning stories. Yes.
1: And I come from a line of storytellers. And it's, you know, being in the South, it was a way to preserve our history. And after Katrina, when so many of our elders passed away, it was really important to keep those stories being told. And the best way to do it is through food. Everyone will listen to you if their plate is full. Like you'll notice in a restaurant, there's a lot of chatter going on until those plates drop. (laughs) Once the plate's on the table, everybody is silent. You can say anything you want to say. They don't even realize that they're absorbing
0: it. But right now isn't a time for silence. It is, though, a time for listening and absorbing. Around the country, we're reckoning with not just our past, the injustices upon which this country was built, the black people upon whose shoulders white folks stood to climb higher, and not just the present situation we find ourselves in. Thousands of people marching in the street to address issues some people would rather not be inconvenienced with. We're reckoning with our future. What kind of country do we want to be? When monuments designed to put white supremacy on a pedestal come tumbling down, what are we elevating instead? It's not always a comfortable conversation to have, but not talking about your diagnosis doesn't mean you're not sick. While I firmly believe that not every person of color needs to speak for every person of color, and it's our own jobs to educate ourselves about people who are different from us, thankfully, this is a conversation Simone was willing to have with me.
1: So I think it's important, obviously, to support Black-owned businesses. I think it's something that should have been going on for a very long time. However, the fact that there is a need for it is astounding. And I've heard... Um, In a conversation, I was actually in another bakery. Um, It's a friend's bakery. And I heard, it was out in the county, and I heard a couple of ladies in front of me talking. And one said, oh, did you see that that one French bakery? I think it's in the city. And the lady goes, downtown? And I wondered if they were talking about me. Um, And she says, downtown? She goes, no, it's over by the gardens. And she goes, oh, the black one? The black bakery? She goes, oh, no, we don't go to that one. So the the fact that, you know, we have to encourage people to purchase things from Black-owned businesses is because we do have a lot of people who simply won't because we are Black-owned businesses. And... Uh, you, you know, on the other hand, you have folks who would like to do something, but they don't really know what, they don't know how to give back. And what we do know is that money speaks. And what we do know is that resources, financial resources and education put into the black community, it speaks volumes because you can see change then. Um, and so I, I'm all for it. And to the argument of, well, what if we had a, you know, a list that said white owned um, business? I'm like, well we, well, we did, you know, that did exist. That did exist. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. That did exist. And, and a lot of times, that's the only place that we had to shop. Because mm-hmm. getting loans and getting leases for black people in this country, it's not as easy as it is for our white counterparts. And so that's not even an argument.
0: What did it? What did you say to that conversation you overheard?
1: Oh, girl, that's not that's not for your podcast.
0: <laughs> did you say something? I always say
1: something. I don't have the ability to not say something. But I was also very respectful of my friend's place. Mm
0: hmm. Mm hmm. Do you think you changed their minds?
1: No, and I'm never setting out to change anyone's mind. Um, I I speak. In my truths, I speak in my facts. I rarely open my mouth unless I know what I'm talking about. Um, because if I'm not speaking, then I'm listening. I'm learning. Mm. And, and hopefully picking up something, you know, whatever it is that you're putting down in order to analyze that. But um, I wasn't there to, because the only thing that I would have achieved in that moment was just embarrassing them. Yeah. Um, they weren't about to have an epiphany. And it was, it was mainly the one Mm. Who made the comment, but the one who didn't check her friend was equally as guilty.
0: What stories do you turn to when, I don't know, if you have a white friend who says, What should I be doing right now? Those kind of things. Or another, or frankly, let me adjust that question for a second here. Or, you know, a younger, um, you know, black child who says, Why is this all happening? What are some of these stories in general that you find um, can help you and help educate other people? Well,
1: okay, so with the young black child, it's rare that you would get that question because we are braced for this world at a, a very early age. Yeah. um My son is a little bit different because he's biracial, and my husband is not American and comes from a very different history when it comes to racism because chattel slavery did not exist in France as it does uh, or as it did here in the United States. Mm-hmm. And so. It's a learning process for him, and you know him even learning about uh, colonization that you know French people you know inflicted on many African countries uh, or Caribbean countries. But with our son, he his questioning is uh, it's more geared towards terminology, not so much of why are we being treated this way? He's very insulated from um, a lot of experiences because mama don't play that. <laughs> now, I have been getting a lot of messages from white girlfriends mainly, uh, and it's the question of what can I do? And if they're a friend, like if it's someone who has my personal cell number, then that's a friend. Right. And my answer is always the same what you can do is what i've been telling you to do for 20 years Hmm. what you can do is what you already know you were supposed to have been doing and what that is is first starting with yourself not making it about yourself um listening and then helping people around you because it starts in the home And so if you're sitting at the dinner table and grandpa tells that racist joke or refers to his friend at the garage as colored, well, that's time to check grandpa, even if the turkey's hot and it just came out of the oven, because Mm -hmm. there is no proper time for uncomfortable conversations. And if you feel uncomfortable having that conversation, imagine how uncomfortable we feel on a daily basis and have our entire lives, like that uncomfortable feeling that you're experiencing is nothing compared to the feeling that I experience when I walk into a room as the only black person there. And everyone makes sure that I, I realize that they don't say it. It's the look, it's the, you know, those microaggressions that maybe they don't mean anything by it, but they have been taught that I am different and that I am not as equal. And it's a hard thing for people to to understand. Nobody wants to say that they think that because they don't believe that they do until you sit and really start dissecting why you did this, why you said that, why you thought this was acceptable or, you know, those little prejudices that creep into racism, hmm. you know, and nobody wants to admit that they have that.
0: Maybe I should have asked you, instead of me summarizing how I'm seeing this moment, how are you seeing this moment of, I don't want to say unrest, just of what's happening in the country around this conversation? I mean, just this morning, we see things like Aunt Jemima, which I have no idea how that survived until 2020 with this name, you know, that even syrup names are changing, statues are toppling right now, and people seem to be having more conversations. How are you seeing all of this?
1: So I will first piggyback a little bit because after I said not making it about you and listening, you took that advice and rephrased your question. So that right there is something that would not have happened. And I can tell you for a fact that would not have Mm -hmm. happened five years ago. That would not have happened three years ago. Because the answer to that question years ago would have been, oh, well, okay, but I get it. But other people go through this too, right? Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. So you then coming back and asking me, well, okay, I, well, I should have asked you, how are you seeing this play out? And the answer to that is, it's wonderful. You know, we look back at these black and white pictures of protests going on and white allies marching with Dr. King and, you know, civil unrest. We look back at dogs being turned on black people who are literally just not asking for more, asking for equal, like asking for civil rights, Mm -hmm. not even just, you know, give us this, give us more, we deserve. It's literally let us live as humans. Let us live as you would want to live. But when we look back at those photos, we think it was so long ago because they're in black and white. When in actuality, my family, there are photos taken at the same time that are in color. However, these photos in black and white make us believe that we're past this. This was so long ago. We have overcome. I never
0: even thought about it that way.
1: Well, because it's it's strategic. It was meant to be this way. You know, and when you start looking at things like, you know, Aunt Jemima, you're walking through the grocery store. You've seen that box a million times. You Mm -hmm. haven't been offended. I'm offended at the taste of it. (laughs) <laughs> I'm offended at the fact that this is what passes as pancake batter, but we've become numb to it. Hmm. We have been taught to, you know, in a way, just turn a blind eye. And I'm definitely not one of those people because I am a history buff. I'm not one of those people who's like, cancel everything. Right. Because when you start erasing it, no one learns from it. And I like to be able to hold it up in people's faces and say, you see this? This is who you were. But this is who you can be. But I can't do that if that doesn't exist. You know, I can't say to uh, my son, oh, my goodness, can you believe that there was a time when black women were, you know, we had to have two types of jobs. We were either cooking in someone's kitchen or we were cleaning someone's kitchen. Can you believe that? And him go, what? There's no way. Where's the proof? You're an executive pastry chef. You own your own. Well, because we've now erased it all. Mm -hmm. And so I'm definitely not on that team because I believe in learning. I believe that those statues should be in a place where people can learn about it. I don't believe that it needs to be on the street where I am, you know, having to pass it every day. And I'm like, for what? Right. Why? That's a celebration. However, if you want to create literally a, a museum that is a sculpture garden of, you know, here we go, take all those freaking statues and put them in one place where people can learn about it. But I find that a lot of times people get angry about the removal of things like this. And if you sat down and truly asked questions about who the person is and if they couldn't tell you a thing.
0: Right. They <laughs> use those statues don't even know the to give statue directions. Yeah.
1: Right. They'll say, oh, like in New Orleans, oh well take a left on Claiborne. If you get to the Ro- if you pass the Robert E. Lee statue, you've gone too far. And then well who's Robert E. Lee? The dude on the statue. <laughs> okay. Like, okay, I see what I'm dealing with here. Mm-hmm. So it's just, you know, I think it needs to be uh, noted that not everything can be canceled. And some of these things, you know, you hear the term woke white people. (laughs) and I'm like, so if you're saying you're woke, then you realize you were asleep. Mm. We don't have time to sleep.
0: During a pandemic, much of time has stood still and run a million miles an hour at the same time. Days blur together. But this week, many of you working for woke companies might be getting an unexpected day off for Juneteenth. It's a celebration of the end of slavery in America. The date is June 19th for that date in 1865 when a union general arrived in Texas to declare President Lincoln had freed the slaves. That's two years after the Emancipation Proclamation. Word traveled more slowly back then. Juneteenth celebrations are typically like a barbecue. They involve music, lots of food, specifically a lot of red foods like strawberries, red velvet, red beans and rice, hibiscus tea. And traditionally, a speaker or some kind of elder who could share stories of the Black American struggle and perseverance. Do you hope that there is a near future in which we find it wild that most people, a lot, I don't want to say most people, but a lot of people... But that includes the president of the United States. Didn't know what Juneteenth was.
1: I don't think that that will happen in our lifetime, that there will be a time where we are. Well, I think what we have uh, going on right now is a lot of performance activism. Oh. where people are really showing a strong bout of support um, because it's uncool to not do so. Yeah. And with so much social media, you have, you know, the activism police, you have people who are literally trying to call out others for not taking action. Right. When the best way to call them out is with your dollars. And so you simply, okay. if this company does not align with what you believe, then you don't support that company financially. It seems very simple, right? But that's not what we do. We get up in arms. We um, we make a big noise. We take an Instagram photo of us making this noise. And then it sort of fades into the background, which is why I, I don't know that Juneteenth will take off the way that it should because the moment that the masses learned of what Juneteenth uh, was or even the Tulsa massacre, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was another one where I heard, oh my God, did you know this? Well, yes, I did. Mm-hmm. I did not know that this happened. But, um, you know, my fear of it or concern is that it will become white noise, because the moment that people started talking about it, it, already they should have been making this a federal holiday. Yeah. Why would they? Because we already celebrate the freedom of the nation from the British. So why would you not celebrate the freedom of African-Americans from enslavement? And so now, you know, we get like, you know, Congress going, oh, my God, where did these statues come from that have been in this building for Every day for four minutes that I have, oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm like, girlfriend.
0: Clutching pearls. Been yeah, there. <laughs> Like,
1: it's been there. What are you talking about? Are people going, oh, Juneteenth? Well, oh, I've never heard. And with Juneteenth, I give a little more lenience. Because you have many African Americans who don't know what Juneteenth um, is, especially if their families migrated to the north. <sighs> and because it started as a holiday in Texas, and then it grew. Kind of like Mardi Gras you know, started in Alabama. New Orleans is known for it. It has crept all over the country now with little spurts here and there. And then, you know, it it finally catches on. And so hopefully we can run with it, but um, we're going to keep celebrating it and we're going to keep bringing it to people's attention and celebrating the foods and the people that made Juneteenth happen.
0: All right we are stepping out of that conversation though i think i could have spoken with simone for hours and hours if she didn't have a bakery to attend to and look via screen at my wonderful podcast partner producer dory in the house Hi, meaning I'm her back. house
2: <laughs> my house yes and Shaw. hello good to be
0: back and we realize that things are opening up and news is happening and by things opening we mean even new restaurants opening which we always try to talk about here and different events especially because we can do it in the summertime and be outdoors and so and I just missed your face so we decided to bring this segment back
2: (laughs) I missed your face too (laughs) not quite as good as the podcast booth but you know this will do for now
0: so speaking of Juneteenth Typically, La Petit-Serie Choquette, again, that's Simone's Bakery in the Botanical Heights neighborhood, celebrates Juneteenth. Um, They work with elementary schoolers and even invite people in as well as a speaker to say, hey, let me educate you, the staff, visitors on what Juneteenth is, which is a very important part of what Mm -hmm. this holiday is. It's a little different this year for obvious reasons, Um, not just because people are paying more attention to it, but because of, of course, the ongoing coronavirus and the restrictions that come with that. So they're having kind of a curbside celebration. So it's going to be Friday from nine to two as well as Saturday from nine to three. They're on Tower Grove. It's you. Like, you can't miss it. It's the cutest little thing. Yeah,
2: they're, they're right there by, like, Indo um, a couple other restaurants. It's a great spot over there.
0: Yes. And, again, they're having a curbside celebration, so you can order and pick things up there. Um, on their menu, they have red sweet potatoes, banana pudding, blackberry dumplings, 7-Up cakes, which are so delicious, southern tea cakes, and sweet bacon and cheddar cornbread. And because they aren't going to have that speaker, but they know that this is something that makes – kind of educating yourself accessible. They're also working with Expedition Sub-Sahara. Um, the owner is friends with the owner of Expedition Sub-Sahara. They're having a pop-up outside the bakery, selling African woven baskets. And a portion of their proceeds from this weekend are going to go to Arch City Defenders and Black Lives Matter. So if this is the first year you've heard of Juneteenth and you say, okay, now I want to get I want to get involved in that or I want to, you know, kind of expose myself or my family to that, La Serie Choquette is doing just that.
2: Great little way to kind of introduce yourself and learn and pick up something a little sweet, support local businesses too. Yep. So another way you can kind of join this sort of movement that's going on right now, you can head to some local breweries. They're doing the black is beautiful initiative. It's a nationwide um, effort that a lot of local breweries have joined in on. It started at weathered souls brewing in San Antonio. So that brewery has, basically shared a recipe that other breweries across the country can use. They can use that exact recipe or kind of mix it up as they want to. And then also they're asking that 100% of proceeds from that brewer um, get donated to various causes. So there are a lot of breweries here that are participating. We've got Second Shift Brewing, Four Hands Earthbound, Side Project Shared Brewing, Main and Mill Brewing, perennial artisan ales, and well-spent brewing. And if you order that specific Black is Beautiful beer, those um, the proceeds are going to go to various causes in the St. Louis area, including Black Lives Matter, the ACLU, Close the Workhouse, and Action St. Louis.
0: Mm-hmm. And we actually have a story up on KSDK.com right now that um, in case you want to take a better look at where the money is going for each from each of these breweries, EarthBounds, including coffee and vanilla to their weathered souls recipe which intrigued me because it's not really like a beer that you drink typically in the summertime like anything with coffee kind of sounds a little heavier Mm -hmm. that being said i mean what is time what is space what are seasons that sounds delicious to me
2: (laughs) exactly yep so we'll put that in the show notes we can link to that there
0: We've had a lot of news over the past few weeks. Typically, we try to kind of, you know, do this a week by week basis. But because we've kind of not had this segment for a little bit, um, I know that there are some big news stories that we aren't mentioning in here. Always check out the What's Cooking in the Loo area of KSDK.com, our Instagram, all that other stuff. But we had some things we wanted to highlight for this episode in particular and as we head into this weekend.
2: Yeah, just over the last week, really, we've got a lot of businesses expanding, which is just so great to hear, especially right now with Mm -hmm. closures and having to shift the entire restaurant industry right now. So just to see these openings, I was so excited and wanted to make sure that everybody knew they were happening. Totally. So Beast Craft Barbecue is going to be opening their third location this summer. It's going to be in Columbia, Illinois. Um, and this one's going to be a little bit different than their other locations.
0: Yeah, southern well they you know they have their typical southern inspired dishes their different barbecues uh the fr- the pork steak there you never think you want to go out for pork steak and you go to beast and you're like that's amazing. But then I don't think of it as like a thoughtful cocktails and late night snack kind of place. Right.
2: Yeah, so it'll be a nice little addition there in Columbia. Yeah, like um, Shake Shack has officially opened the second location in the St. Louis area which I think they were kind of under the radar there for a little bit. I didn't even know it officially got approved, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's open, which is is great. That's great, yeah. Yeah. How about we bring it back to the city, though? There Um, you go. We've got a new place coming in the Cortex. It's called Wasabi at Cortex. It'll be a sushi bar coming at the end of the year. Um, That'll be the fourth restaurant there in the Cortex. Just steps away from Vistia our friends there. Um, And it's close to Chocolate Pig
0: and Lion's Choice. You can't go wrong there. That's exciting. I did no idea about that. I could walk to that.
2: Yeah. Very nice. And this next one, I'm really, really excited about. It just opened. So we're recording on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. It's now open at Ballpark Village Sports and Social St. Louis and their new outdoor plaza at Ballpark Village. So I know we mentioned this when it was announced um, several months ago now, Mm -hmm. but it's a nice big area. I saw Ahmad, our uh, sports reporters down there today. He was sharing some pictures from there. It looks like it'll be the place to be before Cardinals games. Whenever that comes up. Whenever that (laughs) winds
0: up happening. Does it look like it's more suited for kind of our pan, like our current situation with having to kind of social distance and being outside and all that? It seems like it would be.
2: Yes. It's 9,000 square feet and they've, set up like 300 or so, um, seats and tables outside. So we can have plenty of space to social distance. Hmm. And even the inside is really expansive. So I think you could still have a fair amount of people there, but you're not on top of each other, like your typical bar experience. And they've got so many games and stuff to kind of keep you occupied there too, with friends Mm -hmm. and they're going to have live music all weekend. So,
0: Oh, that's awesome. Could be a
2: yeah, could be a fun little thing to do.
0: All of that sounds good. Well, this one is definitely something that I think is going to be social distancing friendly because, again, it keeps you outdoors. It's something we've been looking forward to for a while now. And we finally have a date to put on the calendar
2: i'm excited the food truck garden coming soon um it's officially opening july 3rd for the fourth of july holiday weekend in afton
0: yes nine mile garden of course that's our buddy brian who is a co-owner of gorilla street food um he was kind of talking about wanting to keep the opening soft um or opening date soft rather until they were sure mm-hmm. that they knew when it was going to happen and then yeah july 3rd um he's been working with all those food trucks now there's a great roster of all of them um, dozens and- of them yeah Yeah, and they're also going to have the canteen, which is their kind of draft beer, cocktails, and coffee stand. Seems like it's perfect for summertime. I'm excited. And dog friendly too so there you go didn't even think about that nice but we have to wait till the weekend of fourth of july to go there but we've got (sighs) some weekend events we can look forward to this weekend um if you are looking to further your juneteenth celebrating expect us uh that's the organization behind a lot of these protests and marches and rallies and vigils you've seen over the past several weeks um they've been in downtown brentwood the loop all over the place um They are having a large gathering outside of City Hall at five o'clock on Friday, um, once again, for Juneteenth to kind of emphasis on the celebration. um, And I think that it's something that if you've been looking around and seeing some of these marches or demonstrations and saying you want to learn more or do more, if you've participated and you still want to learn more and do more or, you know, if you are a black person in St. Louis wondering how you can connect with other people on this holiday. 5 p.m. outside City Hall. I think that would be a great one. Yep. Mm-hmm. So on Saturday night, a
2: family event that you can go to. If you're itching to get out of the house, there's a drive in movie in Crestwood at the old drive in theater. It's in the parking lot behind the Crestwood Schnooks. They're going to be showing Incredibles, too. Uh, it's $20 a car. You need to pay online to reserve a spot um, and you bring your own food, drinks, and they're asking everybody to stay in their car. So it's a nice, socially distance safe, outing for you and your family Saturday night.
0: That sounds actually pretty fun. And I still yeah. haven't seen Incredibles 2. <laughs>
2: I've never saw
0: Incredibles 1, but what? I hear they're great movies. You <laughs> also know. never saw Shrek, though, so I can't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm still not over that one, Dory. <laughs> That's hey, okay. <laughs> this is cool because I'm actually planning on, have you live streamed any concerts during quarantine? I have not, but I'm up for it. <laughs> I'm planning on live streaming The Killers tonight. Um so it's Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. It's I, I saw a Facebook event for it this morning and I'm like, I'm there. Um, but you guys are gonna hear this after it's over. So sorry about that. But luckily on Saturday, the pageants <laughs> having their live stream concert series with Greek Fire, the St. Louis-based rock trio, starting at nine o'clock. Um donations are suggested and we're going to double down on that suggestion because mm-hmm. the money is going toward the Gateway Resilience Fund. Of course, that's the fund that is, you know, relying on private donations to help supplement some of the or help you know negate some of the losses that so many of our beloved restaurant owners and employees have had to deal with over the past couple of months due to the pandemic shutdowns, um, and also Greek Fire. I'm sure that they've they could uh, they could use some tips as well, um, because a lot of musicians have lost a lot of work during this time as well. Dory. what's the best thing you've eaten this week? It's been a while since <laughs> I've gotten asked this question. So it's been a little bit of a blur the past
2: few months. You know, it's a mix of we eat out once a week and then we eat on leftovers and kind of cook up food around the house. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about it. I, I want to say the brunch that I cooked up this past Sunday was just... It was great. I made a Captain Crunch French toast. I don't know Ooh. if I've mentioned this on the pod before, but there's a restaurant in Baltimore that we loved. It's called the Blue Moon Cafe. They made this famous Captain Crunch encrusted French toast that you just like it. You to it's to die for. So I can so, picture
0: it. Is it Fr- Captain Crunch like the little squares, or is it with berries?
2: Um, well, it's Captain Crunch squares, ground okay. up, and and, roll, and your French toast is like rolled in that. But then they also do a lot of whipped cream and berries on top. So it's mm. a little bit of bowls. Yes, like actual berries on top. Um, so I made my version of that, had just some biscuits and bacon, and we were sitting out on the back patio and just like listening to the birds. And a cardinal bird flew up and was like singing to us. It was just, it was great. It kind of made me forget about... Everything going on in the world. It was like a moment of zen in my backyard this weekend. It was
0: great. This is a time where, you know, we're really blessed to have homes and comfortable places to enjoy a meal in so many ways and so that's awesome I'm glad you're using that backyard of yours it's so nice Um, speaking of backyards that's where I enjoyed the best thing I've eaten this week it was not in mine but one of my good friends had a baby a couple of weeks ago she had a pandemic baby um, and she is just absolutely adorable the baby is and it was the hard I mean my friend is adorable too I guess Um, but it was the hardest thing in the world to sit there and like not be able to touch her and hold her Um, but I brought dinner and I brought, actually, you know what? Fried chicken from Straub's is really freaking good. If you're looking for a picnic style, something easy, I knew that they you know, probably could use not having to cook with a newborn in the house. Um, but I was kind of wanting to get something quick and just go running into a Straws and being able to pick up kind of a, I did a coleslaw, I did a big bag of the fried chicken, it was relatively inexpensive, a big jug of lemonade. And it was a nice little picnic. So if you feel like enjoying something simple in your backyard without cooking, I would recommend that it was pretty good. We always want to hear what you guys have been eating. um, But especially now, we are looking to curate and collect different stories from those of you who have been listening during, before, during, and actually we haven't gotten to after yet, but before and during this pandemic. Um, What's it been like for you? Are you going out to eat again? To what extent have you been going out of your way maybe to support local restaurants, or have you been kind of eating at home more than you used to um, because you just are trying to hunker down in other ways? Do you work in the industry? What has it been like for you to change things up like this? Maybe, how has your job stability been? Or if you're a restaurant owner, share with us the kind of struggles or the questions that you've been facing, too. We want to just hear from other folks who, um, you know, just want to get their thoughts out there. You can do a couple of things. One, you can call us, that's probably the easiest, and we recommend that. Just give us a call at 314-254-2667. It's a Google voice number, so it'll ask your name. Um, It's 314-254-2667. And just share your thoughts with us. You know, if you had a particularly awesome meal or you want to give a shout out to a local restaurant or if you had a bad experience, wh- whatever it is, uh, we want to hear from you. You could also record a voice memo. Um, you can just do that on your phone pretty easily. Or you can type up a message and send it to us at podcasts at ksdk.com um we've been doing a lot of time spending spending time in our, our houses and not sitting next to people going out to eat and so this is how we're looking to hear from you all
2: it's sort of a la our holiday episode that we did if mm-hmm. everybody remembers that where we're going to be sharing what you guys say and just kind of getting the different perspectives from everybody because this is one thing you know the the coronavirus obviously has touched all of us but I think food can like really bring us together in in this sort of moment. So we just want
0: to hear what everybody has to say. Absolutely. Well said, Doris. You know what you sounded like just now? A Murrow award winning podcast. Oh, how about that? (laughs) (laughs) We just wanted to take a couple moments here to humble brag, minus the humble part, because we're really freaking excited about this. Um, Recently, we told you all that we won a Missouri broadcasters association award for best podcast. And that was huge for us because we're new. I yeah. mean, we've been doing this for just about a year and yep. really flying by the seat of our pants, figuring it out <laughs> as we go along. Edward R. Murrow, if you're not familiar with him, he is a famous um, journalist, a uh, broadcaster. Um, and America, you know, really was a big part of like the American American culture and war reporting and just, mm-hmm. you know, uh, really well, regarded An
2: Icon and idol for journalists. Absolutely. As we're going through J school and even, 100%. you know, in the job. Yep.
0: hundred percent. And the names in his, or the awards in his name are among the highest in broadcasting and we won for podcast excellence. Dory's showing me her plaque right now. <laughs> Mine hasn't arrived in the mail yet, but it's shiny. And yeah. we're just really excited. I mean, these, these, I, mm, let me know what you think about this story, but the awards are really kind of just icing on the cake for all of this because it feels like we've been doing it um, kind of, and you never really know with a podcast and you just kind of throw things out into you an echo chamber. You just put it out there, right?
2: <laughs> so you're just like, okay, well, maybe, I mean, the numbers show that people are downloading and yeah. listening, but you just, you never know how much people are really taking it in and enjoying it. So it's, it is good to hear and see that we got that award. And it it came at like just the right time. I think when we found out that we won, so definitely a,
0: a booster for sure absolutely it keeps us motivated to keep doing this um and we also of course love being able to share these stories and conversations with you all so thanks for also being the wind beneath our wings
2: during this oh journey. my gosh
0: cue <laughs> outro music now speech is over abby eats st louis is a five on your side production i'm abby larico And I'm Dori Olmos. Please be sure to make sure you are subscribed to our podcast. Also make sure you're letting us uh, know of your thoughts on our Instagram. We're at Louis. Have a healthy and happy Juneteenth and Father's Day weekend to everybody there. And seize the plate.